Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning. Welcome to 10 o'clock church. How's everybody doing today? Man, it is so good to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know Maddie mentioned, which by the way, Maddie is part of our faith youth, one of our teenagers here at Faith Assembly. Give it up for our faith youth and for our young people. Man, we're so grateful for them. And thanks, Maddie, for for helping us out today. Uh, You're in the 10 o'clock service. As she said, nothing changed for you because... uh, in the, uh, our 8.30 service got moved to 8.15, and 11 is moving to 11.45, and uh, you're here in the 10 o'clock, and so uh, thanks for being here. Someone said today, in a couple days, we have the daylight savings time, and today is the soul saving time, so we shifted the clock, moved it back a little bit, and so some of you are taking a little while to get that, and uh, what that all means. Uh, we're, we're glad you're in church. Hey, if you did not have a chance to check out the new kids space, don't do it because our security will tackle you because you're not allowed back there. Um, so, uh, and I mean that seriously. And if that offends you, you're welcome um, because uh, we take care of our kids here. Uh, there are two things that are a priority here at Faith Assembly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two things that are a priority here at Faith Assembly, the presence of God and our young people. And if we ever try to worship without either of those in the proper place, we'll miss it because God is always about his presence and his work among the next generation that we would raise up and lead those. And so uh, uh, if you'd get a chance, check it out um, uh, sometime when they're not having kids church back there. But uh, I just want to say thank you. Thanks to uh, uh, Carrie, who's our uh, maintenance lead here and uh, uh, their team. Yeah, give it up for Carrie. Uh, Pastor Mike. And uh, Pastor Lindsay and their team as they help the move. And, and even folks, some of you here that just jumped in on, uh, on the uh, 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 a moment's notice to just help us move as volunteers. And so we just want to say thank you. It is so good. I got to like hang out with some kids today downstairs because I didn't have to go all the way down there to do it. It was kind of fun. I like got to see some faces and, and uh, get a chance just to connect with folks. So uh, if that doesn't excite you, it excites me. So uh, uh, I'm uh, just uh, grateful for what we get to be a part of. And so, hey, would you just help me in saying thank you to all those that made this move possible? And uh, Carrie, Pastor Mike, Pastor Lindsay, their team, volunteers, and just so, so grateful. Well, um, I hope you uh, I hope you get a chance just to be in connection as we we've moved the service time so we're gonna this service doesn't change but our next service has a little bit of time one of the reasons we've adjusted our service times is so that we have a little more room and and an ability to to move in our parking lot and then even here we don't have to rush out right away cars won't immediately be coming um, and uh, be a chance just to connect with folks because we are the body of Christ and uh, it's important that we build relationship get a chance to get to see folks to know people and uh, connect with people, uh, because if we don't have a relationship, then we don't have anything. Number one is relationship with Jesus Christ, relationship with one another, and uh, so I hope you'll get connected. Speaking of being connected, we kicked off point groups. If you had a chance to join in point groups, they started this past week, and and uh, it's not too late. Jump on board, get connected, building relationships, and along with the new point group season comes a new sermon series, and so today we're kicking off a series called Set in His Ways, and uh, we're glad you're here. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at what is the mindset of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. 
What, what is the mindset? What's it look like uh, to have a mind of someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ? And so that mindset that we are not set in our ways, but his ways. You may have heard it said of you that you are set in your ways. Don't raise your hand if there's anybody here set in your ways. It means to be concrete, unchanging, unmoved. And uh, our hope is that we would not be people, and I'm not just hope, I'm gonna declare that Faith Assembly is a house full of people who are not set in their ways, but set in his ways. Set in the ways of God, to the purpose of God, the glory of God. And so uh, over the next couple weeks, we're just gonna be looking at what is the mindset? What is it to have a healthy mindset, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that we look at the world differently? The Bible says this, that we are peculiar people, and that word peculiar means different. Now, I grew up in church context where peculiar meant weird. Uh, and it might sometimes be weird. So here might be the weird context. But I, what I mean by weird is sometimes, you know, well, we're peculiar people. We're just, we're just weird and crazy. Well, I know sometimes it can seem that way because it was weird because I know, you know, for me, I'm a lot older now. But even when I was in high school as a, as a, a, a teenager following after Jesus Christ, it was weird when I told people that I was not going to have sex before marriage. I was weird. But how many know that when you are in Christ, you're peculiar people, we have a different way of doing things. And when we're different, what it means is we don't do things the way the world does things. We do things the way God does things. And so we're, we're different. And so what does it look like for peculiar people that, you know, people who, are, who, are, who follow Jesus, they're peculiar. They don't fly off the handle like other people. They're different. They don't talk about people like other, there's a difference. They have a different way. And so I want to look over these next couple of weeks, what's it look like to have the mindset that is of a fully, follow, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? And Psalm chapter 16 is where we're going to look. And I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 16. Uh, this is the book of wisdom. And wisdom written by Solomon and other contributors that are there. But Solomon being the one compiling this and, and the wisest king who ever lived, he writes some of these words. And the, the words of wisdom are given as probability. And we've got to be careful that we don't read the book of Proverbs as promises because there's a difference between promises and probability. There are probability like commit yourself to the Lord and you'll be successful in all your ways. Uh, that's a probability because how many know success doesn't always look the way we think it should look? And so it's probable, it's likely that things will go well, but it's not a guarantee because we look for the path of least resistance. We want the path of ease. And how many know that oftentimes we call success, meaning no struggles, no issues, no problems. How many do agree? But that's not what Jesus or what scripture calls success, that success really looks like being submitted to the ways of God. And what, what does it look like to be submitted to the ways of God? In, in uh, Proverbs chapter 16, I want to take a look at these, and there's a, there's a bookend. We see verse 1 that starts with, with a, a, just a, a word that, that tells us the, the plans that are set, and then verse 9 will say it again. And I want to look at those, those verses all together. Why don't you stand with me, and uh, as we look in Proverbs chapter 16, 16, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. That we set plans, but the Lord gives the direction. Verse 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. 
We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. These are written as proverbs. They're, they're, they're not so much words that flow and go together. They're thoughts that, that, that are put in place, and they give us some perspective. And we're going to look at this today. What does it look like to have a mindset of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? I want to preach for the next couple minutes this title, Set in His Ways. I'm trading mine for his. Just tell your, tell your neighbor to tell him, I, I want, I'm going to give mine for his. It's, it's mine for his. I don't want my way. I want his way. Be careful who you say that to. You're confessing some things. Uh, I don't want my way. I want his way. Father, I pray today that we would have the mind of Christ. I pray that we would walk in the purpose that you've called us to. God, that you would take complete authority in this place, that God, we surrender ourselves to you and we pray, Holy Spirit, give us your mindset. Help us to walk in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, will you say amen? amen. And you may be seated this morning. Mine for his. Um, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this today, but uh, I have a way of doing things. How about you? Uh, each and every one of us have a way of, of doing things. I have learned that peace prevails when I don't need to have my way. That would preach all by itself, but we're not going to. That would make for some great marriage counseling. Peace prevails when I don't need to have my way. There is this essence of recognizing that if I can not always have to have my way, there's a peace that prevails. This year, Jody and I have been married 25 years, and one thing that I've learned, uh, and uh, I, I learned quickly, is that Jody and I had different ways of doing things. She had her way, I had my way. It was more than just the toothpaste, whether you just squeeze from the middle or you roll it from the bottom. Uh, it was more than just the toilet paper should flow under or flow over, because everybody knows it goes over. Can I get a witness? There's a way to do, I feel church breaking out. In the, there, there's, a, there's a way to do things. Jody has her way to clean the house. I have my way to clean the house. I'm a systematic person. She's a get the job done person. The systematic person appreciates the process. The person just getting it done just appreciates the final product. I'm the guy that I'm systematic. You can't get to four until you go through two and three. No, Jody is like, you can go from one to three, back to four, two. You can do it however you want. No, you can't. Like, I like structure and system. So we recognize I have my way of cleaning the house. She has her way of cleaning the house. I have my way of doing the laundry. She has her way of doing the laundry. And so we've settled it. We don't fight over it. We don't have anything to do with it. Jody just lets me have my way and clean the house. That's how that, I'm just kidding. That's not entirely true. Uh, I have my way of doing things. And I let her take care of the laundry. I, it's your way, babe. I'm not even gonna touch it. I, I, you can have your way. There is our, our lives marked by our way of doing things. You, you have your way and I have mine. There's, there's things about us that, that have differences. There's differences of the way we do things. Another word that identifies our way would be culture, that, that there's a culture that we all know. Culture is what you've learned, what you've experienced. You've been conditioned by culture. Everybody has a culture. There's my culture, there's your culture, there, their culture, there, there's church culture, there's Italian culture. 
There's Hungarian culture. There's German culture. There is blue-collar culture. How many know there's just culture all around us? There are things that we just get conditioned by and conditioned to and used to that we have our way, but our culture has to be more than just what the, the way that we do things. That culture sometimes is just our tradition. It's how we do things. It's the way that it is for us, but we've got to recognize that our culture must bow to the culture of the kingdom. That whatever your culture is, that you can have culture. And there's a danger sometimes, I think, within our American culture is that even in the church, we can worship our culture more than we worship the Christ. We can worship our style. We can worship our way of doing That's how we do things. But I challenge us, and I hope that we become a people that we spur one another into greater things and really ask ourselves, is what we do biblical or traditional? Is what we, it's just a, it's our tradition. And how many know we can miss what God wants because we have a tradition and a way of doing things, but I don't want tradition, I want kingdom. I want the biblical, I want to live according to the ways and the word of God. You know what it's like that if you've got a culture and the culture sometimes, you know, I've got a German in me. I don't even know what that means, but I'm from Germany all the way back to 1678. My family moved from Germany and planted in York Springs, Pennsylvania before migrating to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, yada, yada, yada. I know the history of my family, so I've got German in me, and I don't know what that means, but there are times people will say, well, that's just the German in them. Well, how many know if I got German in me, it's got to bow to the king who lives inside of me? That no culture in me has or should be any greater than the culture that is the kingdom of God. Now, there's things that I can appreciate. I appreciate culture. It's not a problem to appreciate culture. We ought to appreciate culture, but we got to be careful we don't worship culture. When we begin to worship and we subject the things of our lives according to just how we do things, what our culture is. Well, that's just the way we do things around here. But what is it that needs to bow and come to a place that we don't worship our own ways? The Pharisees asked them what it was like to hear the Pharisees, that they had their tradition and their culture and their way of doing things. But in their culture and tradition, they missed the Messiah who was walking right among them because they were so stuck on their culture. They were so stuck on, on the way of doing things that they missed what God was wanting to reveal and who Jesus was, what he was bringing, that we're not people who are caught up in our culture, but people who are submitted to the culture of heaven, the kingdom of God. What is our culture? There's some things that you can have our way of doing things. How many know there's my way? Don't raise your hand. Don't point at anybody. You can have your way. It's my way. And my way is a stubbornness that can be connected in pride. You know, it's my way or the highway. No one does it as good as I do it. If I was ever going to have it done, I got to do it myself because no one does it as good as I do it. How many know that's a culture that will hinder growth and development because it's steeped and connected to pride? There's also the culture of, of, having no way. This is the culture of second guessing with fear. And so it becomes a fear of not making the right decision. And so not making any decision. So it's, it's rooted in fear. And then there's a culture of their way. Their way is whatever anybody says. I'll say this today. I'll say this tomorrow. Make a great politician. Just flow and move into whatever anybody says, because there, there's this whole thing of, of, of not trying to commit. And so there's no faith and no conviction to commit. And so there become all kinds of ways, but then there's his way that is not just rooted in stubbornness, not in second guessing, not being swayed, but being surrendered to the things of Christ, that we need to be people who live their lives surrendered to Jesus. The word is submission, and we don't like that word in our culture. Submission. 
Submission means to surrender or to give authority to a greater authority. To lay down authority to something greater, to submit. My uncle uh, had a way of uh, making me submit. It was called a noogie. Anybody know what that's called? I don't know what you called it. I mean, but he would take me, you know, this wasn't like last year, okay? Like when I was a kid, he'd put me in his arm and then just, say uncle, say uncle. And I would submit. Um, But how many know that was submission out of, I have no other choice. Um, But what is a life, what's it look like to submit? That when we live a life of honor and submission, I want to challenge us today that God help us to be people. This is, this is something that if we're gonna walk in the deeper truths, the things that God has for us, that we would know the peace and the presence of God, it requires submission. <sighs> the Bible says that we're su- supposed to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. It was a couple of, uh, I don't know, maybe a week, two weeks ago, just in my prayer and um, as I'm praying for this church and just praying, God, give us wisdom to lead, praying for, for our leadership team, praying for us, just in, in, in just that visionary of just, God, how, where, where do you want to take us? What are we doing? And I'm praying, God, give us wisdom. And I began to pray, God, give us wisdom to lead, give us wisdom to lead. And in that prayer time, I, I heard in my spirit, don't just pray for wisdom to lead, pray for willingness to be led. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what good is it if you have wisdom to lead, but there's not a willingness to be led? You can have all the wisdom, but if there's no willingness, it's all wasted because it's not that we sometimes lack wisdom, it's that we lack a willingness to do what we know we ought to do. David went to the, the, the rooftop and he sinned with Bathsheba. It wasn't because he lacked wisdom. David did not lack wisdom in that time when he should have been off to war like all the, other, uh, all the other kings of that time. David did what he wanted to do. He was set in his own ways. And because David did not do what he was supposed to do, he found himself in, a, in an area of temptation. He's climbing a rooftop now knowing that he's about to look over his roof onto another roof of a woman who's bathing. He knows this is not the will of God. How many recognize David didn't walk up the steps saying, God, give me wisdom. What should I do? God, give me wisdom. Should I do this or shouldn't I do it? David didn't lack wisdom. He lacked a willingness to be led. And it's not oftentimes that there's a lack of wisdom. There's a lack of willingness to be led, a submission, a willingness to say, God, I surrender. I lay it down. I take your way over my way. I don't need to be right. I don't have to have an agenda. This isn't about me. This is about your kingdom. How many know that becomes a powerful church that moves when we say it's not what I want. It's not my plan. It's not my desire. It's not about me. It's about your kingdom come and your will be done. There's something powerful about submission. There's something powerful. There's a willingness of being led. David, even when he begins to pray his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, he ends it by saying, and grant me a willing spirit. Grant me a willing spirit, a a spirit that is is willing to be led. What does it look like to have a, a spirit of willingness that there becomes a submission and a surrender that when we surrender to the, the, the things of God, that we walk in the purposes that we have. Culture is, about, is reflected in how we think about life, how we look at life, and how we live our life. It's how we think. It's how we look. It's how we, how we act. It, it, it's our culture. It, it's our way of doing things. Your, your, your attitude represents your culture. It becomes the, the way we do things. And asking the question today, do we do things in our way, in our culture, or do we do things in the ways of God. And I would say today, God, I want yours, mine for yours. I'll give you mine and I'll take yours. Here's mine, I'll take yours. I want your ways. Proverbs 16, one, we read this, but I wanna read it in the New American Standard. 
Bible, it says this, the plans of the heart belong to a person, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I want the ways of God. How many would agree with me today and say, God, I want to submit to your ways. I want, I want, yours, uh, I want yours for mine. I want to surrender my ways to your ways. I want to walk in a oneness and a submission in a way with you. This gives us that direction. He says that the plans of the heart belong to a person, but the answer is of the tongue is from the Lord. He's identifying that there's a part that begins that every plan and every idea, every, every thought that I have begins in my heart and my desire. But it goes through a process and it's always mine. You realize you are not a robot. God did not save you. And the moment he saved you, he said, you no longer have your own thoughts. You no longer have your own ideas. It's just, you just think whatever I think and say whatever I say. Now we wanna get there, but how many know in order to get there, I've gotta surrender my ways, my thoughts. And so it always initiates with me, okay? Every, every idea, obviously God, God can give ideas, but it's the desire that's inside of me. And there's a process that whenever I allow my heart to be submitted to God, what comes out from the time it's in my heart to the time it comes out of my mouth, it becomes submitted and set in the ways of God. That's a process. It's kind of like a filtration system. You ever seen the filtration system that you can take whatever, uh, uh, you, you can get the, the, uh, the filter. Uh, I, I know uh, uh, Jordan has in her apartment, she's got this Brita uh, water jug that you can put tap water in it and you can drink the water safely. That's good to know. I didn't know tap water was bad for you, but uh, um, I guess it all depends where you live. But it, it has this whole thing. I don't know if it's this good, but you take it to the pond, you know, that murky, ugly pond and... I don't want to try that. But, but it has a filtration system that it comes in in one condition, but by the time it comes out, it's made new. That I want to go through a submitted filtration system in Christ that what is in me goes through a process, and now it's not just me. Now it goes through a process, and what comes out of me becomes submitted to the ways and the purpose of God. How many... I want the filtration. I, I want to be submitted. And submission is a filtration system that allows us to walk in the ways that we surrender mine for his. That we come to a place of saying, God, I don't want my thoughts on this. I want yours. God, I don't want my response to this. I want yours. Because I have a response. How many know I've got a response? It's that German in me. <laughs> I don't, I, I've, got a call, I've got a response. There's something in me. But God, I want what's in me to surrender to the one who lives in me. And I want to walk in submission to your ways. I want yours for mine. Here, here's the, the, the filtration, the process that these words of wisdom found in Proverbs 16, verse 1 through 9, talk that same thing, that we set the plan, God orders the steps. We have the plan, he orders the steps. And so these verses in between, I want to look at these verses and just outline this process. There's a filtration system process that allows the submission that we go through that what comes out of us becomes in order and the purpose of God. Let me tell you that uh, wisdom that is given for us is a process, and it's a process not for success, but a process for submission. Success is not the goal. Submission is the goal. Get that in our, in our heart. Success is not the goal. Submission is the goal. The, the purpose of which I'm going for in this moment is not success because how many know I could, I could call success one thing, but if I have it today, how many know I could lose it tomorrow? 
Whatever that success is could be in a moment and can be gone. The goal is not success. The goal is submission. Because if I'm submitted to his will, I'll walk in his ways. And if I walk in his ways, he promises that he'll order the steps, he'll direct it, and he will work all things together for my good. And so that becomes its submission. And sometimes people jump out of the process because they're waiting for success or they're looking for success. Success didn't happen. And when success didn't happen, we jump out of the boat. The goal is not success. The, the goal is submission. Because when I submit to him, only then can I know what true success is. Only till I submit. Because if I, if I try to find success, but I never submit, then I'm only looking at success in my own ways, my own ideas, my own thinking, my own thoughts. Are you following me? There is no success until I submit. How do I, how, you say, why is that significant? Because in order for there to be a plan, I have to know that there's something that is sovereign. We use this word in church, sovereign. Sovereign means self-existent. God is sovereign. Jesus is sovereign. He doesn't need me. God can exist without you and I. Now, he desires us and chose us and created us in his image to have relationship with him and to fulfill the purpose that he has, this desire of being in relationship. He has brought us into, into relationship with him, but God doesn't need me. He is sovereign, and because he's sovereign, that means whatever happens in this world, God will work all things together for his purpose. If there's a Hitler, he knows how to put him down. He knows how to put everything in its place and in its time. He is sovereign. And so because he's sovereign, I can trust his ways. And so it becomes this place of being able to live in knowing that God's ways are perfect. I can surrender. I can submit to him because of his process. The goal is not success. The goal is submission. Are you living a submitted life unto Christ? That's the heart of being a follower of Jesus Christ. What's the mindset of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Submission. How many would agree? With, you know, I'm asking for your agreement because I'm like, I want to, but okay, the, uh, the person in me wants affirmation, but how many know I got to fight that because I don't need your affirmation. I just need to preach what I know is truth. So you don't need to affirm it to be truth. In order for it to be true, it's true without your affirmation or not. It's just true. And so it's just true that God is sovereign and his ways exist above our own. Let, let, me, let me just give you this process, what it looks like. If we're gonna have the filtration uh, to walk in submission. Here's number one, it's humility. Proverbs 6, verse 5, we read this. The Lord detests the proud, they will surely be punished. The Lord detests the proud, they will surely be punished. Humility is an act of worship. When we are walking humility, it's, it's an act of worship unto God. That in worship, we humble ourselves and we come in the presence of God. It's, it's how we come. We enter with humility. The, the Bible says that he gives grace to the humble. If he gives grace to the humble, let me, let me, don't overlook that because you cannot enter the presence of God without grace. You, grace is the only reason you get there. Grace is when I get what I don't deserve. How many are thankful that we get what we don't deserve? He has made a way. We only get there by grace. It is, it is grace by faith through the grace of God that he gives us the ability to, to have faith in him, to believe on him, that the grace of God is made possible through faith for us to enter. So how do I come? There's got to be a hum humility. What's humility? Humility is when I come and recognize I don't have to be right. I humble myself and surrender to one that is great. There's a humility that happens. I can only enter his presence with humility. 
There is a humility that is, is recognizing the gift that it is. If we know that God has given us a gift, then why don't we enter his presence like we believe it's a gift? You know, when someone gives a gift and, and you've had people who have, uh, uh, you, you've tried to bless them and they're like, no, I, I, I don't want to take that. I can't take it, right? They don't want to take that gift from you. How many know that's sometimes annoying? Sometimes annoying. When you want to bless somebody and they're like, no, I'm not, ta- I'm not taking it. I'm not going to take that. Um, obviously, they're not going to take it because they don't think they deserve it. Okay, you don't deserve it. That's why it's a gift. That's why I'm giving you a gift. And when God gives us a gift, how many know if we've received the gift, then we recognize, God, it is a gift of grace, and the only way I get to come into your presence is by this grace. Therefore, I can do nothing but humble myself in your presence because you have been so, so good to me. There becomes a place of humility that recognize, God, I, who am I that you would even be mindful of me? Who am I that you would even put your hand upon my life? Who am I that you would even breathe your breath, your fire that Pastor Al talked about, that the fire of God, the breath of God would even breathe into this dirt that I am, but I am more than dirt. I am the son of a living God who loved me and called me according to his purposes. I know who I am in Christ. I humbly recognize There's a humility. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm still gonna come and I'm gonna come in humility. I know I don't deserve it, but in humility, I'm gonna posture myself and I'm coming to the presence of God. The first step to walking in submission is humility. It's to have a humility about us to to recognize I don't deserve this, but I humble myself in this place to receive what God has made possible. Here's number two. It's holiness. Proverbs uh, 16.6 says, Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. Avoiding evil is holiness. It's this, this aspect of wisdom that when we have wisdom, we know what we ought to do, and the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Well, what is fearing the Lord? It's reverence and holiness that I walk with holiness. So I come in humility or, or, or humbly I come into the presence of God in holiness. The Bible says that without holiness, no man can see God. Holiness is when I recognize God and in fear, I know if this is not what God wants, then my fear of God says, I don't wanna step in the place that God has not called me because I fear God. You know what it's like to fear all the drivers in the room. The moment you see a car, somebody's just driving a Ford Explorer. I think they ought to ban Ford Explorers to just be natural or everyday cars, right? Because every time you see a Ford Explorer, you're like, it's a police. Am I just talking to myself? Do you all know what I'm talking about? Anybody else agree with me? Like every Ford Explorer that comes around is like, oh, that's a police car. Okay, I'm just making sure. I'm like, it's not just me because there's some things you never say out loud. (laughs) I don't know why you would do that in front of church, but uh, it's like you see that car and all of a sudden there's a fear in you. And there are moments, I'm not even speeding, but my wife will say, there's a cop. I'm like, <gasps> I'm, like I'm not, and there are times, I'm just gonna be honest with you. There are times I've said to her, do you have to do that? I, I'm not even speeding. Could you maybe before you acknowledge the cop, acknowledge my speed because you gave me a heart attack. Right? I mean, just the idea of there's a cop, it, re- it calls a response. A- am I right? And how many know that just knowing there's a God, it calls for a response? Just knowing that the eyes of, of heaven are on me, there's a response. It calls for a response when I'm, when, when I'm in a place that I know nobody's looking and I could view something and no one would know about it. But my God, there's a response. 
There's a holiness that says, but God, he, I, I know God, that, that there's God. Joseph said, he, he said that when, he, when the uh, Potiphar's wife tried to, tried to seduce him, he said, how could I do such a thing? He's all alone. Who would even know? He says, how could I do such a thing against God and against my master? How could I do such a thing? There becomes this holiness. And holiness, no one can, can ascend the hill of the Lord without clean hands and a pure heart. How many know a clean hands and a pure heart let you sleep a lot better at night? There's holiness that, the, that you walk in this, in, in this recognition of fear of God. I fear the Lord. You know, there are times I've held my tongue and haven't said things because I fear the Lord. There are times I've, 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 I've had moments I'm like, I wish I would have feared the Lord. I grew up and I feared my mom. I won't tell you that traded. I fear my wife. I don't fear my wife because she doesn't carry her hockey stick around anymore. So we've made progress. Uh, (laughs) She played field hockey. Y'all don't know what that is out here, but she was really good at field hockey. And so our counseling and marriage sessions were always solved with a hockey stick. Uh, Totally kidding. But uh, there's a fear of God. It produces holiness. And there's some things... Do you know, hey, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, he's looking down with love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's this recognition, I I, I fear God. And when I fear God, it allows this filtration, this submission that begins to happen, that I I humble myself. I I come in in fear, and there's a holiness that, that we have before God. Number three, that this, this process that takes place in us is this honor. Verse seven says this, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. This is a probability, not a promise. The probability or the likelihood is if you live in a way to honor God or to please God, the word honor means to give value to. And when you honor someone, you you respond in a way that, that elevates them. It puts value upon them. When we honor the Lord, we give value. We put value on him. And the Bible says that enemies, even enemies will be at peace with you. Now, the probability is that when you honor God, there's a good chance that peace will rule in your heart. Now, there's no guarantee that you're not gonna have problems or that you're gonna have, not gonna have enemies. How many know you can pursue the heart of God and that doesn't mean people are just gonna accept you and love you and go along with it? Okay, so it's a probability. The probability is in the full scheme of things when you go through the whole process, what God does, he takes what was meant for evil and uses it for his good. But you can't have that without going through the, pro- the whole process. And so because it's a process, there's the probability of what you'll walk through. And so here it is. He says that when we honor and to give honor is to hold in high value. It, it's, to, it, it's to give recognition. When you, you honor somebody, it's, it's putting value on them and recognizing who they are, that there's, there's value. It's like an offering. It's even like a peace offering. Notice how honor is connected to peace. He says that if you, if you please the Lord, that's, that's a heart of honor. If you value the Lord and you desire to please him. See, I honor my wife in that there are things, um, man, I, I love my wife that I'll just look for ways to serve her because I honor her. I'll just look for ways. I mean, just dumb things. Like, I, you know, I, I, I just know, like, one of the things I'm in a habit of is that if I'm home before it's bedtime, I'm gonna 
turn the bed down and make it ready for her even though she goes to bed way earlier than I do um, because I'm gonna honor her. And you know what, you, hey, thanks for, you know why I did that? Because I honor you. I'm looking for ways to please you. I'm looking for ways that I wanna show honor and respect. There, there's this desire and honor. Do we look for ways to honor God? Because when we do, there's a connection to peace. And if there's something in your life that you feel unpeaceful about, I would encourage you to maybe draw a line to somewhere that your honor could be in a better place. If there's a place of unpe- that is not peaceful, because there's a connection to honor and peace, that when you give honor, there's a peace that follows. And so if you want the peace that comes, there's a place of honoring. I would say in your marriage, if you want more peace in your marriage, honor. If you want more peace in your workplace, honor. Because sometimes the reason we're not having peace is because we have our way and they have their way. And there's no way I'm bowing to your way. It's my way. And so how many know you're not having peace? I mean, that's just a recipe for stupidity. Like, I'm going to buck the system. I'm going to have my attitude. I'm going to fight for my way. I'm going to fight for my rights, fight for what I want, and expect peace in the outcome. I don't know who you are but that's not who gets the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, I don't know who gets the Nobel Peace Prize, to be honest with you. I don't really understand all that, but uh, somebody just magically gets it for whatever reason. I don't know. But I want the peace of God, and the peace of God flows through honor. Here's number four, that when I walk with, come before the Lord humbly in holiness and with honor, number four then is it produces contentment, or I'm content. Listen what it says in verse eight, it says, better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. The process brings us to contentment. And Paul said this, Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content with little or with much. I have learned the secret of being content. It's a secret. And here the secret of contentment is not because God's hiding it from people. It's a secret and so few find it, not because God is hiding it, but because so few are willing to walk in it. So few are willing to submit and to surrender and to walk in what God has said. Paul said, I've I've had life with much, I've had life with little, but I've learned the secret of being content. And when we walk in that contentment, that is the sign of submission. It gives evidence that surrender has to do with willingness and there's gotta be a willingness in me to surrender. I've gotta say like David, God, give me a willing spirit to obey you. Give me a willingness. So I humbly come in holiness with honor to find contentment. I humbly come in holiness with honor to find contentment. And this process becomes a filtration system that allows me to submit to the things of God. Here's what I would say to you. Submission equals contentment. If you wanna know how submitted you are in your life, it's connected to how content you are in your life. How submitted you are to Christ is revealed by how content you are in life. So if you want to know, have I submitted all my ways to Christ? How content are you? Because if you're not content, it reveals that you've not submitted and turned all of that or surrendered everything. But when I walk in contentment, now let me just give you this. Submission is not when I finally do what God wants. Submission is not when I do God's ways. Submission is when I trust God's ways. You know, my uncle, 
Say uncle, say uncle, say uncle. <laughs> uncle, I did what he wanted. That wasn't submission. Submission is when there's a willingness and a trust. How many know that's a process? I'm surrendering my ways. I'm learning to surrender and to continue living in a surrendered state of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when I do, it produces contentment in my life. What is the world looking for? What is the world looking for? Peace and contentment. You know where to find it? Not in your way, not in their way, not in someone else's way, but only in his way. The very thing you're looking for is only found in his way. And I know right now in the room, somebody's like, that is so narrow-minded. Then call me a narrow-minded driver because you come to a red light and you stop. You're so narrow-minded. You're so narrow-minded that you would stop at a red light instead of just going your own way, doing your own thing. No, you understand in the natural, that's chaos, that's arrogance, that's stupidity, that's not valuable. How many recognize in a world that says, hey, do whatever you want, love whatever you want, whoever you want, however you want, whatever it is, call yourself whatever. How many know you can put yourself in any category, but if you're looking for peace and contentment, you can't find it without being submitted and surrendered to the ways of God. I realize some people can be like, well, that's just a straight line that doesn't give a lot of room for just doing my own thing. Oh, there's a lot of space on there, what God will teach you and grow in you, but there's no way to heaven. There's only one name under heaven whereby men must be saved, and the name is Jesus Christ. There is no Savior other Savior. There's no one other than Jesus Christ. And my way needs to surrender to his way. And if my way doesn't surrender to his way, then I will not find the peace and contentment that I'm looking for. So God, give me your way in my marriage. I don't want my way. I want yours. God, give me your way in my, in my workplace. I don't want my way. I want yours. God, give me your way in my in, in my ministry, in this life, God, give me, I, I don't want my way, I, I want yours. I don't want my way, I, I want your way. There becomes this whole place of being able to be submitted and there's peace. And I just believe today that God wants some of us to walk in a deeper place of peace, to trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's Proverbs, it's wisdom that we trust him. Jesus said these words. He, he gave us wisdom in, in, uh, on the Sermon of the Mount. He's speaking to a group of people. And uh, he gives these words in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me, let me first just uh, mention in verse three, of course, it says, commit your ways to the Lord. He says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. The word commit means to roll over. It means to, it means to give away. When you, when you roll something over, you push it off of you and onto something or someone else. It's to roll it over. When you can roll over, you know that you've got whatever the concerns, whatever they are, you can roll them onto Jesus. I learned this when I was a young kid, seven or eight years old, the church that my dad was a part of. We had an evangelist that would come in regularly. 
and uh, this evangelist, he would not only acknowledge the adults in the room, but he would acknowledge the kids in the room. And so I thank God for people who speak into kids' lives. Uh, didn't look past the kids to get to the adults, but spoke to the kids. And uh, he, he would speak to me. He got into the church. Dad had to go pick him up. Uh, his van left him sit on the side of the road. So dad picked him up, brought him to church. And of course, getting ready for church to start, he's talking to me and we're just having conversation. Someone comes up and says to him, says, man, you must be frustrated or flustered about the, your van that let you sit on the side of the road. And I remember being a little kid just observing this. And that evangelist looked at me and said, flustered. He said, why? He said, it let me sit on the road. So I called the pastor and said, hey, I need a ride. And then after that, I told God, hey, your van's sitting on the side of the road. You need to fix it. As a little kid, I watched that and heard that story. But you don't know how many times I've had thoughts in my head and I thought, oh God, oh God. But I remembered, no, God, that van's sitting, your van's sitting on the side of the road. Your van's sitting on the side of the road and you're gonna have to fix it because I'm rolling all of my care. You are sovereign. And listen, if he's sovereign, then I'm submitted. If he, so, if he really is sovereign, like I say he is, then the only option I have is to submit to his sovereignty. There is no other option. There's no other option. So what am I saying about the mindset of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? It means to be fully submitted, to say, God, I'll take yours for mine. I'll lay down my ways because I want your ways. Amen? It makes sense? We all good? Can I read one more scripture? I'm going to do it anyway because we have time. Um, Jesus speaking on the Mount of, of uh, the uh, Sermon of the Mount, he says this, these words. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. Now, let me remind you, your eye is how you look at things and how you see things. How you see things. He says, it's a lamp that provides light for the whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? If you think your way is the right, I'm not changing my, it's my way, I've got my. If you think you're justified, how dark is that in you when you, well, that's my culture. Yeah, well, that's that German in me. Uh, your German needs to bow to his kingship. It, there's no culture greater than his culture. Come on, somebody say amen to that. There's no culture. Can I, I just want to say that out loud because there is no, I declare in Jesus' name that a poverty culture bows to the kingdom culture. Poverty is not, some people are like, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I don't believe in the poverty gospel either. I believe in the gospel that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory, according to his promise, according to it. My God, he is sovereign. I can roll everything. How dark is it if you think that you have light in you? And then he says these words. He said, no one can serve two masters. For you hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Those things that you try to fulfill. He says, that is why I tell you. This, this is the whole point of it. He says, this is why I'm telling you this. 
so that you will not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, enough drink, or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? What he's saying is this, that you can't serve two masters. You can't have multiple ways. You can only have one way, and you've got to lay down your way to pick up his way. And when you do, you'll live a life of contentment and peace because you don't have to worry because he's sovereign, therefore I'm submitted. And when I'm submitted, I know in whom I believe. Come on. You're looking for peace. You can't find it outside of Jesus. You say, well, that's just a religious thing and that's just what you believe. I believe something else or someone else believes something else. That's great. But if you have all kind of ways, then there, aren't, there isn't a way. If any way can produce peace, then no way can produce peace. There's only one way. And I've got to lay down mine for his. Would you stand with me today? With every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment and uh, as we close here today, I, I just want to ask you, what is something in your life that you would recognize and say there's, there's a place that maybe is not contentment or maybe there's an area of peace that I need, to, I, I need to submit and surrender to God and there's a culture, there's something in you that you recognize. Maybe it's needing to be right, needing wh- whatever it might be that there's something in you and you say today, God, there's an area that I want to submit. I I, want to surrender. I'm going to lay down mine for yours. I want you to identify that right now with nobody looking around, but just on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and put it down. I want you to think about what is, is there a culture? Is there something in you? Is there a mindset? Is there something that, that, that needs to be right? On the count of three, one, two, if you know what that is.